When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. This season, all your favorites have one home for the holidays. Yours with Disney+. Plus. Merry Christmas! Moana, Woody, Buzz, Captain Marvel, Darth Vader, and Homer will all be there, so make room. Make Disney Plus your home for the holidays. Streaming Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and 30 seasons of The Simpsons. That's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas to you! All these and more now streaming. Go to DisneyPlus.com to sign up now. Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking... I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price nine ninety nine ninety nine. 0% APR while supplies last.
Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, unmissable opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton. He's Frances Tomas. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Please tap on your app and check out the show notes to subscribe in any way you're listening to the show. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13. And of course, most importantly, on our closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast, where you can ask Frances and I to join that small community. And we're having some pretty good conversations in there as well. And one of the ones that might spill over is La Grande Pregunta today. Should Barcelona sign Clement Lenglet? But Frances is also a special show where our, we'll call it La Ronda special, where we have two special guests on today. We do, we do. We've been welcomed by Mike and Mitko. They're two of our patrons, and they've been supporting the show for, I don't know, probably five, six months now. And we are very, very thankful for them because, you know, without their support, the show wouldn't really be still going uh, because they help us cover the, you know, the hosting, the promotion, and all of the different expenses we've got. So very thankful for them for, for their time. And in exchange, all the patrons were invited. Um, unfortunately, Matthew couldn't make it, and that was disappointing. But I hope that everything is well with you, Matthew, and thank you for your support as well. And Mike and Mitko could join us. And yeah, we're going to bring that ronda to you later on. Um, that's going to be after La Gran Pregunta. The Barcelona Podcast 79 starts right here. And for those Barcelona fans who just follow Barca more in an abstract sense where they only maybe watch the big matches or watch Champions League or focus more on the big picture, I think fans who don't watch La Liga consistently might not know who our La Gran Pagunta is even about. So I think we start by, by answering the question, who the heck is Clement Lenglet? And so a quick breakdown of him, a soon-to-be 23-year-old who's currently a 22-year-old center back, a starter at Sevilla, so a guy that Barcelona will see very, very shortly in the Copa del Rey final, most likely. You haven't seen him on the international stage just yet because he hasn't been selected for the French full national team after being in their U16 level and then every level up through the U21s. And his rise to club football, even he wasn't a highly touted young prospect. He's from Nancy in northeast France where he moved up through their system and right now they're in the second division in France. And that's actually in 2015-16 where he won the League 2 title with Nancy before they were promoted, and then in January of 2017 made the jump to Sevilla in the Liga, and since then, that's really where his profile has skyrocketed, most recently with a superb performance against Manchester United in the round of 16 in the Champions League. Now, why he's a possible signing for Barcelona, money comes first, of course, in all of Frances and I's dissertations of these potential transfer rumors. He's got a release clause between 30 and 45 million euros, and obviously that seems like a reasonable value after Virgil van Dijk went to Liverpool and superinflated the centre-back market. He also fits the profile of a Barcelona signing, of course, very astute with his feet, pretty good in the air, and also a guy that knows La Liga. And that's probably the most important thing, that when Barcelona brings guys in, as we've seen with Paco Cacer, with Andre Gomez, even with even Rakitic in recent seasons... He knows the Liga, he's in his early 20s, so he does have some experience, but he's still pretty youthful, and he would obviously be seen as an immediate upgrade to Vermillion and Mina. And my thinking is he's not going to replace him TD or PK, no way, at least not in his first season, but we'll see what happens in the future. Now, Frances, it seems like I was just rattling on and bantering on, but the first thing that comes into my head as we try to break down another transfer rumor is Barcelona clearly have a problem with their starters, with their bench, and with this... It's seemingly a miscommunication with the, the amount of talent that is on the team and where to put that talent. 
And so, I don't know, I just feel a little tired with this one. Well, I think the most important point to make is saying that Barca actually are quite solid defensively. In La Liga, we've received 17 goals and Atletico has only conceded 15. Obviously, they're better than us, but only two goals ahead. And I think it's really important to, to highlight that. However, that has been achieved with Umtiti and Piquet playing pretty much every single game. And as you sort of hinted, it is really important that the starting eleven next season gets rested. We saw it against Roma. Our players were totally burnt out. And that inability to be as physical as they wanted to be is what ultimately cost us qualification. Uh, we've been talking about Valverde not rotating the team. But also there's the element of saying that actually Valverde couldn't really rotate the team because he doesn't trust his bench. And, you know, as great as Fermalen has been when played this season, he's been, I don't want to say great, but he's been good enough. Um, it's just, we need someone else that can actually compete with Piquet and Umtiti for that starting 11 place. Um, Mina is really not someone that Valverde actually trusts. And it is crucial for Barca to reinforce that centre-back position. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like Valverde trusts La Masia either. Costas from Barca B would be the obvious choice for that fourth centre-back. But actually, I think it is time for Barca to invest some money. And I do agree with you, 30 million euros for someone who could potentially be a starter or at least is going to be in what we refer to as the top 15, 16 players. I think it would be good investment. And if Sevilla are willing to let him go for that price, because obviously, depending on what source you actually look at, it says that the release closes to the 30 million but some people say that actually he's renewed his contract and he's 45 so there's a little negotiation to be done in there and we don't really know who's right and who's wrong so all of these are rumors at this moment in time but I think it is crucial to know that he will be an upgrade on what we have. I think the biggest roadblock in this though is the player himself and reportedly he only wants to move to Barcelona if he can get as much playing time as he does Sevilla which is basically about every match. And that brings up to me again what I kind of hinted at was that that big issue with the bench that, as you said, as you broke down those stats, that he clearly has shown that in La Liga he has the quality to play at Barcelona and he could certainly rival PK and Umtiti. But then if he wants to be playing every match, now we have our issue and what might be the reason why a player like him and other players that we've seen in the past like him that Barcelona might have interest in don't want to come to the club. And not even Barcelona, but he's also turned down Juventus for the same reason in the past, that players don't want to sit on the bench at Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and Juventus. And can you convince enough high-quality starters and high-quality talent to take on such a role? Because I, I think that brings up why these transfer rumors are even coming up right after a loss. Because my thinking is, and I, why I said I guess I'm a little tired with this kind of transfer rumor, is that... Transfer rumors that come and deals that are said to be quote-unquote almost done after losses and during the season are speculative at best, and you have to expect that more will come and more transfer rumors are going to be popping up in the coming few days and weeks before the window opens as we get closer to that time and as Barcelona is quote-unquote really, really looking for reinforcements. And we look at that catch-22 that you and I have said that Valverde should get another look next season, and this whole project is not going to be completely dismantled, of course, with with Busquets and Messi still being the focal points and Dembele, Coutinho taking bigger roles. Luis Suarez will be around. But there's a catch-22 that bench players have to take a back seat and be willing to not start in the big matches, but they also have to have quality enough to be relied on with the talents of a starter. Where if you and I can agree that Langlet has a quality to be a starter, 
we look at the rest of the Barcelona bench and Andre Gomes, Paco Acacer, and Denis Suarez, and other guys, Alex Vidal, who most likely to pay for a guy like Linglet, and if Griezmann is as close to be said as he is, and Arthur Deal is supposed to be done, then clearly guys have to be on the way out. But that bench, to me, is what is what's hurt over the last two transfer windows, where finally Arda Turan was taken off the books, but it, just his wages. I mean, he, he was put on loan, and it's not like that's a great deal that was done. So to unload these bench as Andre Gomes and Paco and Vidal, when they came to Barcelona, their transfer market value was much, much higher than it is. And now because that's plummeted, you wonder what they're actually going to be worth. And with Valverde, it comes down to whether or not he'll trust a player like Linlet coming in, where Yuri Mina, we broke him down weeks and weeks and weeks ago when he came to Barcelona, and yet he's barely got a sniff of the field because Valverde has not trusted him in even La Liga matches. And until today's Celta de Vigo match, where Barcelona had already captured the 39-match unbeaten streak, so now that they have this phenomenal season, yes, they'd like to get all the way through. But nevertheless, Valverde is finally utilizing his bench, but... As we've seen against Roma, too little, too late, and we don't have to rehash that or talk about that again, but that, again, comes at a part where next season, can Barcelona have the quote-unquote problem that a team like Real Madrid has, where Isco might have, there may be rumblings that Isco is upset with Zidane for benching him in certain matches, but Isco still is not maybe their quote-unquote starter, and yet he can come off the bench and he could start for every single other club in the world in 100% of matches. And so that's, Real Madrid have shown that while they don't have the legs and the mentality to get through La Liga, they clearly have the bench, the rotation, and the tactics to get through the Champions League. And that's, I don't want to bring up Real Madrid, but that's the difference between us and, and our direct rivals. And so Barcelona need to figure out that bench issue. For sure we do. And I think going back to your original point about Lenglet sort of demanding to play, um, that is just a rumor in the Catalan media. So I'm not really sure if he actually has said that. I mean, I do know for a fact that he is someone who really considers his career progression and someone who at 22 years old will obviously continue to be playing regularly. That That is something that if I was in his position, I would also also want to work towards. But obviously at Barca, no one really gets guaranteed playing time. But I think that he now knows in where he's in his career, having made his step to um, La Liga, I want to say one of the best La Liga newcomers of the season, to be honest, because he's been a, a revelation since Monchi signed him in the winter of 2017. Um, I think that he's 37 matches this season, nine appearances in the Champions League and 28 in La Liga sort of speak for themselves. He's played in excess of 3,400 minutes. Um, his rating on who scored is 6.95. To put that into context, Samuel Umtiti, who obviously we've all been raving about all season, has got a who scored rating of 7.05. So actually, it's, it's largely in line to what Lenglet has been able to offer. Um, in La Liga, he scored three goals. He's given one goal assist, and this is a defender. So obviously having an impact up front as well. His past success percentage is 84%, which is decent and would really help Barca build from the back. And this is something that is definitely needed. He wins two aerials per game, meaning that he basically beats his rival on the air at least twice. And he's been the man of the match, according to who scored in three uh, matches in Sevilla's Liga, which actually is quite remarkable. So all in all, this is someone who would definitely be challenging for a starting position if he came to Barca. Um, I don't even want to entertain the possibility of Umtiti leaving. I think that it's all basically a media circus that I don't really want to engage. And 
Um, obviously, he probably wants to get a better contract. As I said before in the podcast, I probably would do too. But I think that Untiti and Piquet should be the starters in the next season and Lenglet should actually be trying to knock them off uh, the privileged position in the starting eleven. And I would say that Lenglet has got a much better chance to do that than Fermalen and definitely Jerry Minan have and will have if they stay next season. Yeah, and, and Vincenzo Mantea, the coach of Sevilla, who Barcelona will meet in the Copa del Rey this weekend, has said that he has the quality of that being Lenglet, has a, a champion in his hand is on the pitch. That's a quote. He could play in the future for a big team like Barcelona, but I hope he stays at Sevilla for a few years now. My thinking, though, to that is that, of course, that he's going to complement his own player and he believes that Barcelona have, that he believes that Lenglet has the quality to play for Barcelona. But again, with the small sample size, and I know it's more almost 50 appearances for Sevilla and he's been playing at such a high level this season, it just worries me that he's a guy that hasn't necessarily proven these things over multiple years and has kind of surprised everybody in the world stage. And I guess that comes up with a bigger thing about even the Youth Academy of Barcelona, that when, it, when you are a youth prospect that plays for the, um, a Man United or a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona, of course, talent scouts around the world are going to know about you. I mean, again, we've known about Xavi Simon since before he was a teenager, and now he's just becoming a teenager, and yet Chelsea and all these other clubs are already looking at the young Barcelona prospect. And yet this is a guy who did kind of come out of nowhere, and that happens, where you have N'Golo Kante at Chelsea, of course, from Leicester City, just comes out of nowhere, they win the title, and takes the world by storm in his mid-20s. But a guy like this, that I wonder what his ceiling is expected to be, and if the player he is now is exactly the player that he's always going to be projected to be. And the reason I bring this up is because when we talk about transfer rumors, and this is my thought on saying that Lenglet is pretty much done, he fits the profile and makes a lot of sense and seems like a much more likely candidate to come to Barcelona in from one La Liga club to another and a guy, again, that has a valuation that makes sense than a player for Ajax like Matthijs De Ligt, who, if he comes to Barcelona as just a 19-year-old, it could derail his entire career. But that's one of those feats of famine situations where if I had to pick between De Ligt and Linglet, I would want to take a chance on De Ligt because he's a guy that you know many, many experts and many, many scouts have said, this guy could be a top two, top three defender by the time he's in his mid-20s. And with Linglet, maybe he'll be a top 20, top 30 defender in the world, and that's where he's valued. So to me, at this point, while... Yes, I, I wouldn't want to ruin the careers of certain guys. You had to wonder when a guy like Andre Gomez came to Barcelona that you knew that he was of great quality and is going to start for Portugal in the World Cup, and he certainly is a, a wonderful, wonderful talent. But was he ever going to be a top 10 midfielder in the world? Does he have that kind of profile? And if Lenglet doesn't have that profile, I wouldn't want Barcelona to take such a big gamble. I, I'd want them, I, I think at this point, and maybe this is just unrest from me and other Kules after Roma, and maybe I still have that in my mind, but if Barcelona's going to retool their bench, and if they are not going to have faith in the rest of their bench, then I want them to be all in on really taking the risks of potentially having high, high, high profile talent. And if you need guys that are going to fill out the rest of your bench, then you look to Sergi Roberto in the midfield as a bench player. Then you look for Carlos Alenia coming up on the bench. And there is even a place then for Sergi Samper to just be on your bench if you're not going to try to bring in, I think outside the club should be transfer targets, as you and I have said, that are going to be starters and maybe not immediate starters, but certainly are going to deserve to be starters in the future. Sure, no, I do, I do get that, and I do agree with you because that's basically what we've been saying throughout um, the previous months. But I think in this situation, I mean, Fermalen, 
has been decent this season, but then again, you cannot guarantee he's going to be fit next year. You know, maybe he, Valverde clearly said in the press conference today that he's the third centre-back on the squad, but he may be injured for the next three months after playing 20 minutes. You really cannot guarantee that. And with his age and his CV in terms of injuries, it's not a risk that you could take. Then obviously Jerry Mina, I think he would be given the chance and trusted. He would be a very good player and a very good addition that could fill in the void that obviously we're discussing today. But Valverde does not seem to trust him at all. Since he joined, he has spent a whole month without being called up at all. And out of the seven times that he's been called up in La Liga, he's been discarded, e.g. he hasn't made even the bench, in six of those occasions. So this is clearly someone who the manager is not trusting. And um, Valverde did speak about Jerry Mina in detail today, actually. And he said that, you know, he's the fourth centre-back in our squad. He did say he got to us mid-season and that always brings a difficulty. And he said he's helped us and he could do it, but he can, I can trust the centre-backs that I have. And this is really, really telling. He says, I can trust the centre-backs that I have, meaning that he's not really considering him one of his centre-backs. Maybe that is a slip-up of the mind. Maybe that's a translation sort of uh, point. But I think it is very telling to think that Mina for him is clearly the fourth one. And to be honest, I don't really see Mina, if Valverde is going to stay next season, which we've obviously said is pretty much a certainty. Mina won't be challenging for the starting position. Fermalen is too unreliable, so I think we need somebody else. And if you're going to spend 80 million euros on Van Dijk, like Liverpool did, or Laporte, like Manchester City did, which is 65 million euros, I think you could take a relative gamble on this guy for 30 from Sevilla, who's been impressive this season, in order to fill that void. Of course, I would love Valverde to call up, say, Costas from Barca B and, and begin to nurture him into the, into the team. But that hasn't really happened. I mean, the best centre-back that the, La Masia has produced in recent times was Mark Bartra. And I think he was fairly good, but he was never really given a proper chance. So I really do think we need someone who can actually challenge the two starters because otherwise we're going back to square one uh, when, say, April and May next season comes and we cannot afford that. Yeah, and that's not our problem, right? That Yuri Mina was brought in, that you you know, you know, and I talked about it and broke him down, said that he has a positive future, and yet it seems like Valverde, not that he isn't going to select him this season, yeah, he might be uh, seen as having given a full preseason and given the full time that Coutinho and Dembele need as well to integrate, but if Mina is never going to be selected by Valverde and he doesn't think he has that kind of quality, why did the board bring him over in the first place? It, it seems like there's a miscommunication there between the manager and the board then. That is precisely the point, is... Who's calling the shots in the club? Um, obviously, it has to be Bartomeu and whoever Bartomeu is trusting. It was Robert Fernandez and there's been Segura and a variety of people um, ever since. And that is precisely the point. Unless the person who's calling the shots at club level is someone who has a clear vision. And, you know, we're FC Barcelona. This is um, Johan Cruyff, Guardiola territory. You know, there's got to be someone who's aligned with that vision. Um, I read a rumor the other day that Jordi Cruyff is actually being considered as a sporting director um, because obviously he's rescinded his contract in, in uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, don't know how true that is, but even if he was Jordi Cruyff, even if he was even, say, Oscar Garcia, it needs to be someone with a clear vision. And, and all of that vision and all of that drive has to be towards signing players who are going to compensate, who are going to align, who are going to add to that same vision, not just signing whatever player you decide to sign because they're either um, available or 
someone who the press says are good players, you know. But having said all that, I think Lengle would still be an addition that was someone of the Croy philosophy in charge of the club, which clearly is not the case. I think that would still align to who to who we are and who, more importantly, who we want to be because of his ability on the ball, because of his aerial physicality and because of the fact that he's got experience in La Liga and would, in my eyes, adapt like a glove. And of course, he may not be a starter from the beginning, but he can work hard to become that and push Umtiti and Piquet for the starting position. Well, unlike the support that Barcelona seems not get from their bench, Time for La Ronda, where we got to meet two of our patrons that certainly support us all the time as the two starters that they are. And so now it's time for La Ronda with some of our Patreons. Right, so it gives me enormous pleasure to be talking to Mitko, one of our patrons for Bulgaria. Um, he's now living in Germany and also talking to Mike, who is currently in Denver in the USA. They have been patrons for a long while now, and I, it gives me absolute pleasure to welcome you both to the show. How are you guys? Great, Frances. Thanks for having us. Yeah, D two. I mean, it's 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 feeling great to to be part to be part of it. Not only hearing from you guys. Well, it's gonna be our pleasure to have you with us, um, as always. I want to start by saying thank you, um, a heartfelt thank you to you, because if it wasn't for the support we're getting from obviously both of you, but the rest of our patrons, I don't think the Barcelona podcast will still be going. What you do helps us in terms of hosting in terms of promotion, in terms of uh, keeping us going, you know, and it's, it's always a, a confidence boost when you guys, at the end of the month, you're still there supporting the show. And, you know, it's not a lot of money at, at all, really, but it's just someone who is willing to pay for something that actually is free just to support it. It's, it means everything to us. So I want to thank both of you. You're welcome, Francesca. I'm, I'm, this is Mike. I'm happy to do it. I appreciate that. Uh... You know the content you guys provide and the time you spend is not uh, is not free, and uh, I really really enjoy the podcast. It's a big part of my week, so um, I'm happy to keep supporting it so that we can uh, keep listening to you and your knowledgeable uh, and engaging guests uh, talk about Barcelona. Yeah, I can only echo what Mike just said. Uh, this is Mitko speaking. Uh, I mean, uh, looking forward to each episode before each game. Um, it's 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 quite a unique thing that you have going since I don't know like seventy something episodes now, yeah. and and then it's you know it's really great like like um, commuting to work and listening to you guys and then driving back home and then watching the game and then listening to the analysis and the commentaries and it it really gets us going in a Barca way so. It, we we are grateful for you guys, and this is also a way to to show our to show our support and respect. Well, we're incredibly thankful, as we said. Um, I want to sort of go a little bit deeper and get to know you a little bit better, because obviously we've been emailing and we've been messaging and we've been interacting on social media for months now, but um, we don't really know each other too well. And I think you probably know us more than we know you. So said, let's start with Mike, for example. Mike, where does your love for Barca come from? Because I know there's a Peña in Denver. But I don't know if you're part of that. So can you tell us a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. You know, my my support and and love of Barca has developed over per, more more so the last decade or so. Um, I didn't play soccer growing up. Uh, I'm about I'm 50 years old now, and like most American kids my age, you know, we were a little bit before the soccer revolution here in the U.S. So I played and followed baseball, basketball, football, and was only you know kind of vaguely aware of club soccer uh, in Europe. Soccer for me was the World Cup you know, every four years. And, and over time, I, I really 
became a bit enamored with the Brazilian team and the way they played. And, and that, you know, that got me exposed to, to Ronaldinho, you know, uh, 15, 16 years ago, who I thought was pretty special and different. And that led me to, you know, seeking out highlights of Ronaldinho and then watching some Barcelona matches when I could find them. Uh, and then I started noticing this, uh, long haired teenager, you know, this phenom that just blew me away, uh, the way he moved on the pitch and the way he dribbled past defenders and accelerated with the ball. And I, I really had never seen anything like that. And, and, uh, I was instantly a huge fan of, of Messi. And then, you know, six years ago or so, uh, my family and I moved to Costa Rica for a few years and, and I, I was living for the first time in a soccer mad, um, environment and and everyone there you know had their local clubs their local Costa Rican clubs but they they were also almost everyone was a loyal supporter of either Barcelona or Real Madrid so my my fandom really was cemented during those years in Costa Rica and and now I'm a real diehard and and uh, as we've talked about Frances just last month I finally got to to go to Camp Nou and see a couple matches for myself and uh, you know that was really special and and I really see myself as a as a as a real Kool Aid now. How was that experience, Mike? Because you've told me off of the mic before the interview started, but our listeners don't know that. So, how was the whole experience? How did you organize it, and was it worth it? Oh, it was completely worth it. Of course, I I went as a uh, sort of a the excuse was to celebrate my 50th birthday, but it's just something I've wanted to do for a really long time. And I've been to Camp Nou before, but only in the off season, and, and took a tour and went to the museum, uh, but had never gotten to see a match there. So. Uh, I got a couple of friends together. There were four of us all together, and we the schedule worked out very nicely that we could go and see a Champions League game. We saw the second leg um, against uh, Chelsea, um, which was you know a, a great match where uh, Messi scored in the third minute. He scored a couple goals, and Dembele got his first goal for Barcelona on the, that amazing assist from from Messi. Um, and then uh, that was on Wednesday, and then on Sunday we had uh, a, a league game against Athletic Bilbao. Uh, which was also a great match. And in between, we took a little trip down to Valencia and saw Valencia beat Alaves uh, 3-1 at La Mastaya. And we also got to catch the Friday night game at Levante and saw them beat Ibar in a, you know, smaller, more intimate, uh, you know, smaller club environment. So we got to see a lot. Um, and yeah, it was a really special trip for me. I love being at the Camp Nou. I don't like to call it a trip of a lifetime, uh, especially around my wife, because uh, I don't want her to think I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you're living in Costa Rica as well. So, you know, that probably was quite special as well. Um, Mitko, am I correct in thinking you may have something to do with Stoichkov and being in Barca for you to be a Barca fan? Or am I totally wrong? Well, let's put it so you're not quite right, because the, the peak of the Stoichkov career was as I was a very small boy. So I was like, uh, I don't know, four or five years old. So I remember a couple of, let's say, moments that he had with Barcelona. And I remember, of course, a couple of moments that he had uh, on the World Cup 94 in the US. But a part of that, I have to say that I did not experience his time with, with, with the club. Okay. Uh, my, my, story, my story is probably quite an unusual one. Uh, because it's kind of a family thing, but not like the standard thing that, that, that I don't know, your grandfather and father are from Spain or Barcelona and so on and so forth. And you have been probably 
drinking Barcelona uh, milk from your mother <laughs> from day one. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it started, I don't know, like 15 years ago probably or something um, with my younger brother. So normally the, 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 the little ones, they look up for the, for the older brothers, right? And this was, this was the other way around. So my brother was like basically sitting home and like watching the games of Barcelona and uh, chatting in all the forums and so on and so forth. And I was just like um, eagering him to do stuff with me. Uh, to go out and see friends and so on and so forth. And he was like always staying home and wanting to watch the game to the end. And then I was basically, let's say, stuck up with him and wanted, I mean, I I did the same thing, right? I watched the games and I, I, I joined all the discussions that he had on the internet and so on and so forth. And then a couple of years later, when I moved to Germany, then uh, the Barca, I mean, our Barca thing was something, let's say, special, you know, to cherish and nurture, like, our bro relationship, but also our Barca relationship. So, and, and it, it, yeah, and it went and it went and went over the years and it grew even stronger. So, here I am now. Well, that is superb. And that is one of the things that... It, the, the world is amazes me. It still amazes me how people love the same team, the same players, but in completely different ways from completely different places in the world. Like a lot of the times I talk to my wife and I say, yeah, I'm, I do go upstairs and I'm talking into a microphone and then whatever we're saying, it reaches 150 different countries and thousands of people around the world on a, or we do two programs a week now. It really is baffling. And, and honestly, the, the power of Barca is bringing us all together. And I think that's, really really special um if i've got a question for you i think you've got the start of the show question for you it's from soham oh. yep it's from soham and he says is iniesta replaceable is there anyone who can match his potential if so who is it and why and basically what are we going to do without iniesta because it's almost certain he's leaving now like after the game against valencia he came to the press and basically said that his decision is taken and he will let everyone know when the right time is there e.g is not going to be a positive outcome for whatever he needs to say. So how do you see the Iniesta situation, Mitko? Uh, well, I also think that the decision is made and that the decision is probably that he's leaving us. Um, uh, whether it's good or bad, I mean, obviously from fans' perspective, it's, it's heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Uh, from from club's perspective and uh, technical points of view, I don't know. I'm not let's say I'm not a professional to judge it. Probably, probably I would keep him more just because I love him, right? Just because he's Barca through and through. Um, in terms of replacing him, I mean, um, if, if, if we're talking um, technical, tacticals and football skills, I do think that there are people quite capable of reaching Iniesta's level right now. But in terms of um, his uh, gravitas in the club, and in terms of his legacy that he that he, I mean, he's about to leave uh, in Barcelona. I, I don't think he's he he can ever be replaced. I mean, he he will definitely be one of the I don't know top five, top tens uh, sitting right up uh, right uh, right up on that list for the ever greatest. I don't know, together with Xavi and Puyol and. All the all the uh, all the other guys from recent from recent years like Ronaldinho and I don't know. I do agree with you. I think that Iniesta, Puyol, Xavi, and in a way Busquets and even 
Pedro in a way. They're, they're irreplaceable. They are players, you know, don't want to clone them. You just want to make sure that whatever skills, whatever value they added to the team, they can be somehow passed on. And I think that's the key point here. If Iniesta could do another season, trying to nurture Coutinho into his position and actually passing on the button in a way, that would be great. But I think, I think the Chinese money is just too hard for him to turn down, particularly where he is in his career and obviously looking at the future. I think the fact that he's got the Bodega Siniesta, which is his winery, um, is going to be a huge business in China if he actually gets that as part of his contract because, you know, if he's going to be exporting wine to China for the rest of his life and the rest of his children's lives, then the whole family is set for life, saying the word life many times in there. But um, I think that has to be a key player on that and he did say sometimes you have to think with your head and it is the right time to do that so unfortunate times um very interesting Definitely. very interesting question out of the ordinary here Elliot asks if any one of the recent signings has to leave who would you consider letting go if any and that, that's a very original question and he said let's have Paulinho, Coutinho, Mina, Semedo and Dembele in this question out of those five if you had to offload one who would that one be? Uh, for me, it would be Paulinho. Um, I like Paulinho as a player, actually, I think more than most. Um, I think he's really tired having not had a break coming straight from the Chinese league over um, to La Liga and not really having that offseason this year. Uh, but in the first half of the year, you know, he was he was actually a fairly key player, especially as uh, Dembele was injured and went through other injuries. And he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of our leading goal scorers there for quite some time. Uh while while uh, Suarez wasn't producing in the first half of the year. But that said, I think Coutinho, Dembele um, are certainly a big part of the future. Um, Yerimina, we haven't seen that much of, but, you know, the reports on him are very, very positive. And, um, you know, center backs are hard to come by, so you don't cast them off lightly. Um, so for me, out of that group, it would it would definitely be Paulinho. Um, I, I definitely have to agree with Mike on this one, just because I don't see... Uh, as much potential in Paulinho as I see in Coutinho, Mina and Dembele. Uh, I know he had a great impact at the beginning of his uh, his season with Barcelona, but now he's declining, probably because of his uh, probably because of fatigue and fatigue and tiredness. But um, even so, um, I don't I, I don't think he has he has the um, the the, um, the skill set of being the Barca player that we all want to see, right? Um, and he is probably a more of a worthy type of player, but not the typical Barca player that I want on the team. So two reasons there to drop him off of the list. Yeah, and I would definitely. Uh, you mentioned Semedo, or the or the the questioner did too. I would definitely keep Semedo uh, over Paulinho as well. I hope he he really establishes himself at right back and lets. Uh, Sergio Roberto moved to the midfield, which I hope is the uh, is the future. It's a very tricky question. I'm thinking about what I would answer, and I would probably let Mina go first. I mean, Paulinho, I think, has got a job to do. Um, it has been rumoured um, insistently in the Catalan media that the players were actually quite annoyed that Paulinho did not feature against Roma uh, because that physicality that Roma had, they, they feel... And it was, these are reports, I wasn't there, obviously. But reports are saying that the players wanted that Paulinho physicality to counter Roma. So I think they value him much more than the fans do. I think Coutinho and Dembele have got a great journey ahead of them. Um, Dembele, I'm not very convinced by his attitude, to be honest. I understand that he's been injured. And I understand that 
you know, it takes time to adapt, but sometimes he's not tracking back as hard as he should. And, you know, if, if I was him and I was coming in the last 20, 25 minutes, I would basically leave my soul on the pitch in order to impress. And I think the penalty he gave away against Valencia was just very clumsy. And I don't know if he said he's always there. Um, having said that, I think he's got a lot of potential and he can move forward to be a very valid player. And I think everything that he does add in terms of um, speed, in terms of one-on-one, um, is something that we don't have by pretty much anyone else in the squad. So I would keep him. But I'm a little bit... I don't think concern is the word. I'm a little bit wary that his head is not in the right place all the time. And I think that maturity and time is going to, to help him improve that. I think Semedo could be a starter for the next 10 years. Um, all he needs to do is ensuring that he continues to be physical and understands the Barca attacking play. And I totally agree with you, Mike, saying that that would free Roberto up to go to midfield, which I think he needs to be more of a long-term, um, I think would say a short-term solution for us. And Jerry Mina, I haven't seen enough, uh, but I think that for 12 million that he costed, um, it would be it would be wise to give him a chance at least to to improve. Now uh, that's all the time we've got for today. I really want to thank you all for your support throughout the months uh, in order to fund and support the podcast like that, Mike and Mitko. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you, Francesco. It was it was great talking to you. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure is always. Definitely kudos to all your work that you're doing because I mean, Mike. I don't know about you, but I'm been listening for the last couple of months so the last i don't know 50 ish episodes and the improvement on the show in terms of what you're doing and all the guests and all the interviews is is amazing so thank you i agree it's amazing the progress you've made i discovered the show last summer maybe around episode 10 or 12 and Mm. went back and listened from number one and production value and just the way you and dan interact i mean it's natural that you'll you'll sort of uh, get into your groove um, and, and improve. But the content and the analysis is, is just fantastic. So keep up the great work. Well, thank you. That's really appreciated. Um, and as I said, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be doing it, you know, because we did it as a trial, see, see if it catches on. And it seems to be quite good. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Hopefully, the, uh, hopefully having us on too will encourage others in the audience to uh, become um, Patreons and and uh, support the support the podcast financially. Well, we'll see. Like you said, it's just a few bucks a month, you know? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And again, a special thanks for those two for coming on the show. And if you want to be just like them and continue to help us and continue to help the show grow, go to tbpod.link backslash Patreon. Again, that's tbpod.link backslash Patreon. It takes us to our Patreon page. We can help us continue to make two shows a week, which... Francis and I would still continue to like to do as long as we can. And we can also do a few more cool and interesting things that we potentially have in the works. But again, we just need your help and support to continue these kind of endeavors. So again, thanks for listening so much to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza. smell better with farm-rich mozzarella sticks in front of you. Yes, find farm-rich in the freezer aisle and enjoy. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.